What's up, you two? How is everyone doing today? It is Sunday, July 1st. Happy birthday, Almost America. Rolling in at 7.59 p.m., getting it started, getting everything going on the back end. See what's going on here. Let people start rolling in. Make sure I got a little bit of light in here. I got a little bit of light in here. I got enough light. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Glad everyone's here. Yes, hashtag America. What's up, Connor? Board, yo, dog. What's up, my man? Katie Zero, what's up, sir? K C Custom. How are you, big guy? Ray, the Green Doctor of Hawaii. Thanks for tuning in, my man. Justin Smith, what's up, big dog? CD Andrews. I saw somebody do a hashtag like that one time. I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have done that. What's up, C.D. Andrews? Caesar, what's going on, man? How's your lawn doing out there? Is it still on fire? JBZ, what's up, Weezy? How are you, good sir? Brew Knight, good to see you, sir. Eli, how are you? Michael Moore, Deluxe tuning in from the garage. What's going on, man? Glad to see you're here. Jay Wyrick, how are you? Gene DeClub. Glad you're here, buddy. Gravy, look up. Gravy, look out. Up there in North Dakota. I don't even know where North Dakota is. Glad you're here, buddy. Rob Hawkins, you got Pilex questions. Fire them off. I will answer your Pilex questions. Another one I got to talk about will be grubs. I've been starting to get a lot of questions about grubs. We'll start talking about that, too. So go ahead and ask away on your Pilex questions. Steve Wright, what's going on out there in Morristown? You staying safe? You never know when the hillbillies may come and get you. Connor should change his YouTube to Lawn Rebel. That's right. I'll tell you how it's going, HD. You got to wash your grapes. I got mine sitting right over there on the counter. Vincent Rivera, what's going on, man? Turf nerd, David, what, what, what? David Watkins. That's for you, big guy. <laughs> Matt Michaels, how are you? Good, sir. Jim Renner, my man. Everybody in the chat needs to, needs to give Jim Renner a big high five. He is the man. Uh, Jim Renner is a pivotal uh, very important part of the fertilizer project. Jim Ritter's the man. Went to the website. When can I put my credit card in for that FERT? <laughs> Not yet, Justin Smith. Uh, it'll be later in the fall, and there'll, there'll be there'll be all kinds of release stuff that comes out with it. But uh, I'll keep you I'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, <laughs> that's right, Gravy. It is North Casey, nineteen fifty nine. Glad you're here, big guy. Western Nandez sprays some PGR today. I think you'll be happy. Uh, looking good on the grave. <laughs> so much more energy coming from you. Yeah, I'm doing good. I took the uh, Excedrin earlier, got rid of the headache. I'm feeling awesome. Uh, saw grubs two weeks ago in Michigan. There we go. It is hot tonight, man. I'll, I'll tell you what, we even had rain come through. I got the air conditioner turned on. I got fans going in here, man. My, my, my AC is struggling to keep up. It's tough in here. It's hard out here for a brother. Let's see. Did you get the email picture? I did, man. I did. Put down some green effect and micro today. We all need that new fur. That's right. We're getting it there. Perfect for a Christmas gift. That's, yep. That, there you go. Better re retweet this stream. Let's get 200 viewers tonight. Look, look at look at old Carlsberg car there. Getting jazzy with it on the, on the, on the twit deck. I don't know a whole lot about Twitter, but there it is. Oh, snap. 8 p.m. Eastern. There we are. What's up, Chris Boy? How are you, sir? Did your uh, garage door survive its fall last night? Hey, I appreciate you tuning in, Michael Luger. I really do. Ray, that's right. I am all dressed up and trimmed. I shaved and went to mass this morning. So still wearing the, the clothes I wore. 
All right, all right, all right, all right. Real quick, I'm going to talk about grubs first. <clears throat> um, so the one of the things I got asked about in particular was seeing an influx and a super high amount of um, June bugs and especially Japanese beetles. And grub worms are the larvae of different beetle species. And they have a cyclical life cycle as far as the depth that they exist in the soil profile. Um, as things begin to heat up out of winter, you know, that's when you get your emergence into late spring and then summer, they cause all the issues and they eat your plants. And then late summer, they begin to uh, lay back into the ground and, uh, and then in fall, typically that's when they cause the biggest amount of damage. So if you're using a systemic product like a neonicotinoid or a product like a celeprin, you have to time it, time it for, to give it the ability to grow into the plant. So when the eggs are laid and the larva hatch and they begin to feed on the root system, they take in that insecticide and it eliminates them. So used to, you know, imidacloprid, which is the popular one, Merit, um, was known for being able to put it down in May and uh, it would have enough residual inside that plant to still knock them out as they emerged in the, in the fall, as the, as the larva began to feed in the fall. The problem is, is that Merit has been so overused for so long, you don't get that aggressive long residual that you once had. So typically what people are doing now for the early uh, applications, so you know they don't have to worry about it so much in the fall, is use the product of Celeprin. And Celeprin is showing to have a really, really long half-life. So you can apply it in like May and get your control in the fall. If you're going with a, with a minocloprid, that's not to say that it doesn't work. I have seen diminished returns on it. So it's not working as well as it used to, but I tend to have my better results within about a month of grubs beginning to feed. So in my particular area, that's going to be in the September, late August timeframe. So an application in the Ju in the July timeframe typically will give me my best control in August and September. One thing to keep in mind is that imidacloprid is not going to be activated unless it's able to translocate into the plant, whether through the leaf tissue or through the root system. So it does require water and imidacloprid has to be watered in relatively immediately. It's not something that can just hang out after it's been sprayed for a long period of time without being watered in. So you have to keep that plant actively growing, right? So that's one thing to keep in mind. A celeprin you can go out with later. Typically, the longer you go with it, the higher the rate you have to run. Uh, a celeprin does have a little bit of a post-emergent knockdown, a little bit of a curative rate. It's a little bit higher rate, so keep that in mind. And then there's other products like Meridian, which will have a residual control as well as a curative control. Um, and there's other products like Arena too uh, that would also help. So really, it's all about paying attention to the label and the timing. Um, as far as the, the bizarre uh, seasonality of, of grubs in terms of like, you know, um, gauging for when you're going to have a bad grub year, for me, that's been really hard because there's been some years where I haven't seen a lot of Japanese beetle activity, but I have seen a lot of grub activity. And then on the flip side of that, there's been years where I have seen a lot of uh, Japanese beetle activity and also had a lot of grub activity. So it's hard to necessarily predict, um, you know, hot, dry summers. The, the hottest, dry summer we had was the year we had the worst grub activity. Um, and then it kind of relayed over to the next year, which was a relatively wet summer. We also had a fair amount of grub activity that fall. However, it was a little bit easier to predict because since they had already infected the lawn the previous year, those were the ones we went aggressively in preventing the next year and had um, moderately high success. Still a little bit of breakthrough, but moderately high success. All right, now let me get caught up on the chat. Garden Girl, how are you, sir? Carbon Earth, number one on the Christmas list. That's awesome. Michael, what's going on, sir? Sheriff, go get you. Glad you're here, man. Thor865 is here. 
Shave, I still hear it. See, hearing you. <laughs> That's right. If I was really shaving, I would have gotten rid of the beard and just kept the stash like the old lawn rebel himself. <laughs> Tell the Coleman, what's going on? Good, sir. How are you? The Lawn Stripes is here. Dan the man. What's your email? I have a fungus and don't know what to do to get rid of it. Michael Luger, if you look down in the description, you will find my email address. It is thegrassfactor at gmail.com. I'll post it in the chat right now. Um, let's see here. Japanese beetles are killing me. Michael Wessonar. Uh, in turn, oh, let's see, Matt, speaking of grub control, how do you feel about milky spore? Okay, Justin Smith, this is one I get asked about a lot. Um, milky spores, I don't know a significant amount about milky spores, but what I do know about them is that they're very uh, particular about the specific type of grub they control. They're not super wide spectrum, and it's hard to get them to populate quickly. Um, so the problem is, is that if they're going to target a specific, you know, we'll say a Japanese beetle larva, I don't know which one specifically they target. If they target a Japanese beetle larva, they're not going to affect the larva of June bugs. So um, you're limited in that regard. And also it's getting them in high enough populations to be able to keep the grubs out. Uh, Matt Michaels, I put grub X down in mid-May. was told it needed more time because it isn't water soluble. Matt Michaels, I don't know about that. I don't know what the active in grub X is. Um, I'm learning GrowX does wonderful against June beetles as well as Japanese. There we go. What post emergence for crab grass when going to overseed this fall? There's two you can choose for, Casey. You can go with either Quinclorac, which is seed safe within a week or so, and then you can use Pylex, which is seed, seed, seed safe for the same day. Um, those are the two I usually run. Konnichiwa, Ronald. Konnichiwa. Connor Ward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a considerable amount of luck with Milky Spore. Seeing my first Japanese beetle today in a long time. There we go. So what scenario would I use? Uh, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, Michael, shoot me a text and I'll talk to you about that. Uh, someone's around. <laughs> do I need to know someone in the business to get grass growing in our backyard before we move to Kentucky? Um, I'm not sure what you're asking. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you can get grass growing back there. Hey, listen, I got a great program I can put you on to get all that, uh, get all that worked out. And, uh, you'll have some beautiful grass in the backyard before you move to Kentucky. Um, yeah, just holler at me and I'll write out a program for you and, uh, we'll make that backyard just pristine. What it do, Dylan B? How are you, good sir? How are you? Milky Spore only works on Japanese roofs, not June beetles or others. Yep, there we go. Uh, that's right. That's right. Lolly and Pop Ritter, I, I do know someone. I do know someone. I thought June beetles and Japanese beetles were the same. Not true. Uh, no, they're they are definitely two different insects. It uh, does not work on bill bugs either. That's another one, bill bugs. Now, bill bugs aren't as big of a thing here in Tennessee. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of Kentucky bluegrass here and bill bugs tend to be more of an issue in Kentucky bluegrass. So, um, that's one of those things I can't really speak to because I, I have not had a lot of experience with it. Someone like turf nerd lawn care up in Ohio deals with a significant amount of bill bugs, uh, also dealing with more Kentucky bluegrass. And I know he is a big fan of using, um, a celebrant. A celebrant is a bit of his go-to. I have a corrugated drain pipe that is backfilled with gravel in the yard, but the turf dries out and dies. How deep does the soil need to be for the turf to survive? It's a good question, Eli. Um, in particular, with gravel, you know, usually that's derived from limestone, and uh, it can hold heat. Um, you know, it's not very conducive for um, the roots to establish in and, and work around. Um, a lot of times that can just lead it to be, you know, super high pH. And then on the flip side, it's designed to not hold water. It's designed for water to, to flee, uh, free flow through it. Um, so that, that French drain you're dealing with there um, is probably always going to be an issue. You would probably have to get it about a foot deep, um, have a foot of soil on top of it before it wasn't as obvious that it was there. 
For grubs, I once soaked a pouch or two in the back of a five-gallon bucket and then put it in a hose-in sprayer uh, way back in the day. It did work, though. Yep, nicotine is a pesticide, so keep that in mind. Uh, neonicotinoids are derived from nicotine. Nicotine is one of the earliest pesticides that we had. Interesting question about surfactants. Surfactants are great for the product touching the blade. However, RGS, Human 12, and RAL soil amendments, right? So no need for a surfactant because it's soil based. It doesn't need to touch the blades, right? Um, okay, HD Movie Source, Carlsberg Carl. Um, I touched on this a little bit last night. Um, so humic acid also contains a really small particle called fulvic acid. Fulvic acid can move into plant tissue really easily. If applied in conjunction with a mineral nutrient, it can help that mineral nutrient work its way into a plant quicker. So does it need to be leaf applied? Uh, no, you, you don't have to worry as much with it. Um, is it a benefit? Yeah. Um, you know, typically they're recommend applied in higher volume applications. Uh, but still, even then, you know, I mean, it would have to be a significant amount of volume to be able to bypass that foliar adhesion. Um, even if it's not applied with a surfactant, it's still going to hang on to that leaf blade. Um, the advantage of a surfactant is that it will spread out over the leaf blade. So, um, no, it's not required that you apply it with a surfactant. Um, is it going to give you any sort of added boost? Probably not. Um, you're probably not going to get your money's worth out of running a surfactant with something like it. So, um, but I don't know. It may be something just to test and try out and then report back your results. I'd be curious. Nicotine kills everything. That's right. That's right. I heard birds had learned to pick up cigarette butts to put in the nest to keep mites away. Uh, it's interesting. Wow. What's up, Fleets? How are you? Good, sir. I have two turf type tall fescue lawns that look pretty good, but have Bermuda scattered throughout. Maybe up to 30% of the customers want it gone. Think about a near blanket app with pilots and MSO suggestions. Yeah, Rob. So yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one. Um, I would time that closer to your aeration overseed. So typically I have I have begun my Pilex applications as early as the last week of July. Um, Moving forward, I will probably push that into closer to April 1st. And then also remember, it's not a one and done. You can't just apply one application to Pilex and expect to kill Bermuda grass. And in fact, it's not a one series. So you can't just apply it year one and think your Bermuda grass is going to be gone. It's a multi-year approach due to the strength of Bermuda grass and its ability to store carbohydrates in the root system. So you want to start after the summer solstice, which was just the other day. And <clears throat> typically the, the later, the better, uh, because as the Bermuda grass begins to sense that there's a lower amount of daylight hours in a day, it begins to shift its growing pattern from sending energy from the roots to the shoots to, to, to stimulate new shoot growth. Um, to a carbohydrate storage cycle post-summer solstice to send energy from the leaf tissue back to the root system to begin storing carbohydrates for next year's green up. So by doing your Pilex applications in the fall, you interrupt that carbohydrate storage cycle, plus you help that Pilex translocate to the root system better. So your one, you may interrupt a lot of that stored carbohydrate that took place. The problem is, is that it stores so much that year number two, it can still put out new grass. So you have to do it again. Typically, I sell Pilex applications as a three to four year investment. It's not a one year deal. Pilex is a good thing to do though. And the great thing about it is your third application of Pilex, you aerate and overseed at the same time. So spray, aerate, overseed. And it allows that fescue to come up really, really well in that Bermuda grass. It takes away all the nutrient and water competition from the Bermuda grass plant, allows the fescue to come up, and then it also adds that competition factor to the Bermuda grass as it attempts to come out of dormancy the next year. So it's a three-part process. So you have to seed at the same time your final application. You have to time it after the summer solstice, and it's a multi-year investment. 
Are you familiar with sensitive briar? What kills it? Um, I do not know, Mr. Wex, uh, West. I'm not familiar with sensitive briar, but if, let me do a quick uh, Google search here and see if I recognize it. I don't know what turf type you're dealing with this in, um, but I would say a triclopyr, fluoroxapyr, dicamba concentration would work to eliminate it. I'm not 100% on that, but if I had to run and gun on it, that is where I would go. Um, it is an herbaceous perennial legume. If it is herbaceous, then a good triclopyr, dicamba, fluoroxapyr combination there should do a pretty good job. Uh, it's going to be my best bet. All right. Here we go. Bill bugs eat zorsia. There we go. I've not had that issue here. In fact, I didn't have that issue in Memphis either. Um, let's see. Soil drenched with the midocloper. It seemed to do the trick getting those beetles off my trees. Yep. Yep. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me make my way back up here. How often can I apply T-Nex, Ashim, apply it to the label recommendations? It all depends on your rate. Uh, we're going to have some Kentucky bluegrass in my front yard this fall. There you go, Michael. We'll, we'll put some tests on it. Um, Post-grub emergence, I've had amazing success with seven out of a hose-in sprayer. Protects my cherry trees and ground cover and roses. Yeah, Justin, that's a great one. Seven, carbaryl is very effective in controlling grubs. Interesting fact about seven is that it's actually one molecule away from being a weapon of mass destruction. Fun fact. Uh, let's see, should I mow first, mulch clippings, then spray dethatch, or spray first, then mow the following day? Um, Paul, I, I don't think you're gonna see a big difference either way. Uh, if it were me, I would probably mow first and then spray. Spray grubs with nicotine, sucker smoking. <laughs> What's up, Michael Tuma? How are you? Good, sir. Have you ever heard of applying beneficial fungi to the lawn for root development? Post the product I'm looking at in Discord. If you're talking about a mycorrhizae, um, yeah, you're talking about a mycorrhizae. Um, okay, so here's kind of my thought on applying beneficial bacteria. Until we can come up with a more efficient way to deliver the beneficial bacteria to the root system, we're kind of spinning our wheels because that beneficial fungi will not exist to the open environment for very long uh, before the just the, the exposure to the elements kill it. So, you know, there's lots of mycorrhizae products that are out on the market right now, and they probably work to limited success. The most success I've seen out of mycorrhizae has been through a machine that is developed by AirTech Tools um, the guy who owns that company and invented this machine, his name is Terry Raby, and he injects them at the root zone. And everything he has injected with that has just done absolutely amazing. Now, until we can develop a carrier for the turf grass market to allow it enough time in stores to make it into the soil where it can actually be a positive influence, until then, it's always going to be hit or miss. You can try and time it with your aeration and overseeding. Is it going to help them? It's hard to say because even though it's got a protected little pocket that it's still in, it's not completely protected like it would be if it was injected into the soil. The other thing too is that we know mycorrhizae is good. We know there's a, a, a lot of bacteria that are really, really good for plants and root development and plant development, fighting stress, fighting disease. The problem is, is that once they're in the soil, we don't know how to control the populations. And if some of these populations get too high, they can also become cannibalistic or they can begin to eliminate the other beneficial bacteria. And so you throw off this equilibrium of balance in the soil. Very rarely do you come across a soil that is dealing with an imbalance of bacteria. Um, it's kind of nature's way of taking care of itself. Now you may run into a situation where a soil has very little life in it. And the quickest way to remedy that is just to get something growing on it. Allow that root cycling effect to take place. All right, let's go on here, man. The chat is flying. That's what's up. Uh, what's up, Mark Maccioni? Are you happy to know if, when we can get our hands on Green County products individually? I do not know, my friend. I do not. 
Can you throw down Milo, Ironite, have full rate, have some sane aug in Texas? Uh, Dylan, you could. I don't know why you would want to. Um, okay, so St. Augustine's only going to be able to utilize so much iron in one application. The iron supplied by Melorganite is probably all that St. Augustine is going to be able to use. You can overdo iron too, and you can turn your St. Augustine black. Um, I've done it with all kinds of different turf types where you literally uh, black out a lawn because of it. I did it with centipede often, actually when I, I had a centipede lawn and experimented with it. So I don't recommend doing that, but yes, you can. Recently seeded Bermuda and have a lot of crabgrass already. How soon are proceeding? Can post-emergent be applied without affecting new Bermuda? Any suggestions? Uh, JBZ depends on the type of uh, Bermuda grass you seeded. And, um, and as a general rule of thumb, mowing twice, after it's been able to be mowed twice, then you can attack your weeds. Um, so you probably want to use something like quinclorac. Be careful, test areas, because quinclorac can be extra aggressive on some hybrid Bermuda grasses. Um, another one you could use would be, you know, the, the sulfonylurea classes are going to be your best bet. If you have to step away from it, so maybe something like Celsius and MSO, maybe Celsius MSO plus quinclorac would be a better way to go. How do you stop messing with your lawn when things are perfect? <laughs> Tell you, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> Bray has it right. You need more kids or another hobby. There is no perfect lawn. There you go. There you go. Um, uh, wow. $154 million for four years. That's crazy. Can I send you an email and you help me create a yearly schedule for my Bermuda grass? Michael, you can, you can send me an email. Um, to be honest, I don't know if I have time to put together a yearly schedule for you, but I can kind of give you one right now. And it's pretty simple. Uh, early in the spring. So, you know, late winter, you know, that January, February timeframe, get down your first pre-emergent. Uh, in April timeframe, March, April timeframe, get down your second pre-emergent. You want to use something like, you know, prodiamine or dimension. Um, and you know, during that time frame, when it's dormant, super dormant, you know, you can use something like an ester-based herbicide, like a 2,4-D ester to knock down your weeds. And then as it begins to green up, um, that's when you want to start pushing your fertilizer. And there's two ways to, to fertilize it. You can either go out with the slow release fertilizer and feed it infrequently. You get a lot of surge growth, all that fun stuff. But if you're a homeowner and you have a lot of time, you can do something like a spoon feed. And that's where you feed it a little bit very frequently. So cut your rates down to, you know, a quarter pound of nitrogen, an eighth pound of nitrogen and do it, you know, like every other week. Um, that will limit your surge growth. That'll help maximize your color and uh, you'll have just an overall healthier lawn as a result. So um, then as you begin to move into late summer, September timeframe, that's when you want to prevent your POA annua. Uh, so put down another pre-emergent like a dimension or barricade. And uh, you can close out the year with a final pre-emergent with something like Simazine. Um, Simazine was always the one I used towards the end of the year to help catch any of those uh, broadleaves that were coming up. Now it's spread with something like a 2,4-D product. Um, a good resource for you for a yearly schedule uh, would be from the Lawn Care Nut, Alan Hain. He has a great one. I actually helped author it. So all of the suggestions I would have would also be in that one. So check out Alan Hain's um lawn care program for bermuda grass it's uh it's in the ebook and um it's good stuff chris boy and my neighbor's lawn ain't perfect there you go one else would be plenty there we go ronald perry uh, <laughs> let's see oh man i lost it uh easy question i'm doing a full renovation in st louis from a sort of grass to improve tall fescue if i planted till the soil to regrade flatten does that mean and I can skip aeration. Yes, Joshua Gonzalez, but if you plan on retilling the soil, man, good luck to you, brother. I would probably just regrade it and use something like a nail drag that they use on a baseball diamond to loosen up the soil to seed. Um, you know, tilling is just so unnecessary. Uh, eight ounces for $500. Yeah, Justin Smith, it's eight ounces for about $450 is about the best price I have found. Um, it is... Uh, it's expensive, but eight ounces will last an extremely long time. You know, that's, you know, basically eight acres of coverage out of it. So $450, you know, you're looking at what, 
$60 an acre or something like that. Um, any Pilex alternatives? Yeah, Peg Junk, you can go about it two ways. You can go out with a product like Over the Top, which is Fluazifop, um, or you can go out with a product like uh, Roundup. Roundup works really well too. Uh, there's also another one called Acclaim. Um, all of these, whether you're using the, the Fluazifop or you're using Acclaim, uh, which I cannot remember the active ingredient in that, um, all of those, and even the Pilex you want to run with Triclopyr as a kicker. Uh, Triclopyr is an ester-based herbicide that has uh, action on Bermudagrass, and so that's going to be another one of those products that broadens your spectrum of control. Phenoxaprop is a claim. That's right. I messed that up. All right. Let me switch back over here. Tenacity, tenacity does about the same thing. Yeah, um, you can do Tenacity. Um, it is, it does not last as long as Pilex. Um, that's been my experience with you. Uh, basically wonder how I can identify Bermuda versus Zoysia and if I would need to do anything different for one or the other. Yeah, Nathan. Um, so Zoysia grass has underground rhizomes when it spreads. Um, Bermuda grass has these runners that run across the surface. Uh, that's kind of the easiest way to identify it. Um, Bermuda grass will have underground shoots too, but they're known for the it's long uh, above ground stolons. Um, yes, you do need to do things a little bit differently. Um, Zoysia grass does not require as much nitrogen, and it's a little more um, prone to get diseases. So you have to pay attention to rhizoctonia in the spring and the fall. Uh, you have to pay attention to the dollar spot with it in the late spring, and then you have to pay attention to you know your your summer patches and large patch during during the summer. So there you go. Yes, really bad on earthworms. WMD <laughs> Chris Voigt, that's funny. <laughs> Will a metaclorophyll work on pecan weevils? I have six huge trees and got no usable crop last year. Nathan, I'm not a a pecan farmer. Uh, if you're dealing with pecan weevils. I would say yes, a metacloprid would work. Um, you may have to go for something more aggressive, but I don't know how it would affect your ability to harvest your crop. You would have to check a reseed interval on something like Dinotefiron. Dinotefiron, also known as Safari. Um, I don't know if you would be able to eat your crop that year. So um, you may want to check into that and see. A metacloprid is going to have trade labels for crops. Um, so I would suggest you find a um, a label, imidacloprid, uh, pecans, uh, find a label for um, trees in particular and um, and see what they say about that. All right, let me switch back over to the chat. Both granular spray, what is the max application of iron yearly? My mostly northern looks so good after iron or kilo spray, but obviously it doesn't last. Um, smokes, there is a point of diminishing return. Uh, it's hard to say what the maximum rate would be. Um, you know, it really it comes down to what your soil is actually storing. Uh, so that's what you don't want to have happen is that you begin to store toxic levels of iron in your soil. So uh, while it does look so good after a chelated iron spray, you do have to be careful with it. And, and also keep in mind is that more isn't always better. Um, you may be, you would be much better off to run a very significantly reduced rate and doing it more frequently. So that way you get more foliar uptake than just soil uptake. I think beneficial bacteria seeds itself, so to speak, meaning that whatever you have, nature will find with that bacteria. That sub bacteria is kind of forcing the situation right. Uh, yeah, HD, that's that's kind of uh, where I was going with that. But you know, we once bacteria is in the soil, we have really no control over what happens then. Um, and sometimes it may conduce it for one particular type of bacteria that you supplement to really take off. And then that can create an issue. It may create an overconsumption of organic matter. It may create an issue of overconsumption of 
um, of nitrogen. That was one of the issues that was run into with continued repeated use of a product called Hoganics. Hoganics, um, at first, when people first started applying, it was doing really good. You know, even the entire first year, it was doing really good. Uh, and just to clarify, Hoganics is um, several strains of bacteria. Um, and then year number two, they started applying it. You know, things, people started to begin to, to see a little bit of decline in their turf. They had to up their nitrogen rates. And then by year three, people were really having to pound their yards with nitrogen. Um, and still running into issues without it being able to green up. In fact, I know one instance, a guy I was talking to in Virginia was having to put down three pounds of nitrogen at one time to turn the yard green. And within a couple of weeks, it had lost all its color again. And pulling a soil sample, there was absolutely nothing left in the soil. The soil was almost 100% empty of mineralized nutrients because the amount of bacteria in it had uh, began to consume everything in the soil. What's up, Breeze? How are you? Good, sir. Why don't any lawn care channel suggest gypsum for soil amendments? Uh, Ashim, because gypsum isn't really a soil amendment. What gypsum is is calcium sulfate. Calcium sulfate has a great ability to move through the soil really quickly. So if you have a buildup of salts, whether that be sodium or fertilizer salts in a layer of soil where the roots will not draw it out of, you can use like some, something like gypsum to flush it through. Um, now, if you do have extremely salty soil and you use gypsum, that's going to open up a lot of soil surface area and that's where it can improve your soil. Um, so in and of itself, gypsum is actually not a soil amendment. It's a calcium supplement. Um, and it's a way to apply calcium to your soil without having to worry about altering your pH of your soil either. Um, I do not buy into the fact that gypsum softens um, clay soils or will repair clay soils. That's not how it works or, or what it's designed to do. Uh, what it can do is flush some of the minerals in your um, in your clay soil. So um, people aren't suggesting gypsum because it's not a soil amendment. Uh, what's up? What's up? PPC paper click pause prime cuts. Trying to catch a little of the grass factor. I'm glad you're here, Paul. Cat bird feeders here. How are you, ma'am? Good to see you. What's up, Stan? I was wondering if you change your nozzles on the PG to spray the Green County products or are they stock? Uh, Stan, I'm spraying uh, the Green County products out of my stock nozzles at a quart per per thousand. Uh, loading videos during the chat. <laughs> Let me see here. What did the lawn care not load? I don't know. I haven't got a notification yet while I'm doing this, but I'll have to check it out. I got to get caught up on Connor's Ward's Connor Ward's videos as well. Richard Dallas, how are you doing? Good, sir. Good to see you after talking to you last night. Uh, whoa, whoa. Uh, chat updated there and it got, let me get caught up here. Only works on neutral acids, oils only for sodium displacement and calcium supplementation. There we go. Don't tell Connor there isn't a perfect yard. Uh, I hear someone's discord chat. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Michael. Those are mine in the background. Is tenacity a good choice when airing and overseeding in the fall to help prevent POA? Mark, that's a good question. Um, yes, it is. One thing you have to keep in mind, though, is that tenacity has to be applied at minimum every 28 days. That's, as, um, that's the maximum amount of time you can go in intervals. Nathan says, irrigation question. It's hitting 97 here this week. No rain in sight. Do you let your kids play in the sprinkler or yell at them from the porch about soil compaction? <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I really don't say a whole lot to them about it one way or another, because whatever the issue is, you know, I, it, I, usually I can fix it. So I let them have fun and then I'll fix it afterwards. Uh, since it's going, if, since it's going to be a bit for Carbon X, do you know a local place in Knox that carries Anuvia or something similar? Uh, John Teague, I would go to Dickens Turf and Landscape Supply. They do not carry Anuvia. The only place you can get Anuvia in Knoxville is if you buy directly through Harold's. Uh, and that may be something you can do as a homeowner. I don't know. They just changed reps in our area. Uh, the previous rep we had here, he was more golf oriented and he left and he went to J.R. Simplot, which is another really good company. And I have not had the time to meet the new 
rep that came in to replace him. So he may be willing to do something for homeowners. He may not. I don't know. It's kind of a bit by bit for him. But if you want to go to a store and get something similar, you can go to Dickens Turf and Landscape Supply, and they have some similar blends to the Anubia. If you go, ask to talk to John Gardner. He'll get you hook up, hooked up. Uh, what is the best pre-emergent to prevent poa trivialis from coming back after summer in a fescue lawn? Or also, would it prevent me from overseeing? Uh, Ashim, uh, poa trivialis is not an annual, so you cannot prevent it from coming back. It's a perennial. So you would have to post-emergently control it and then apply your pre-emergent to keep it from coming back. But if you already have it in your lawn, um, then you can't apply anything to keep it from coming back. Um, if you already got rid of it in your lawn, you probably want to use something like tenacity because uh, tenacity would be the one that you could apply and not have to worry about overseeding. Tupper Sam would be another one. My zero turn is leaving purple reddish tire tracks on my centipede grass. My old regular riding mower push mower didn't do it. Any ideas? It's the weight, Larry Nelson. The weight of that mower is doing a little bit of damage. Um, I would say that you probably have, uh, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, you know, the, the centipede is probably a little stressed right now just due to the heat. Um, and if you're trying to water it to maintain the color or if it's gotten a little too dry, that's the thing about centipede. It is so finicky. You get a little bit too much water on it and you mow it, you turn it purple. It gets a little too dry. You water it, you turn it purple. <coughs> uh, hey, Matt, never heard back. Got a reply from you about my stenograph. Well, you told me to email you. I soaked the lawn and it seemed to help a bit. Tay Dot, if you don't mind, resend that to me again. I must have overlooked it. Lawn Guardian, what's going on? Uh, Matt Pilots is working great on Bermuda in my tall fescue and is bleaching nicely. Should I resist the temptation to pull the Bermuda by hand or let the Pilots do his thing? Um, Paul, if you're spraying it with Pilots, I don't know why you would want to pull it. And that's kind of the whole point of spraying Pilots is so you don't have to pull it. Uh, and I would let the Pilots do its thing because if you... I mean, yeah, you can pull it, uh, but, you know, any sort of green up you see that comes back to it, hurry up and get it sprayed again. So, really, it's your, it's your choice. How did you learn the science behind lawn care? I like natural lawn care, but I still want to learn the chemical side. I know what to do. Your whiteboard's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, Carl, the way I learned everything was just sitting down in front of the labels. I start with the label. And then I see something in the, I, I start researching the active ingredient and I look at the chemical composition, active ingredient. And then I start to break down the different components of the chemical composition of the active ingredient. And, uh, and that's how I began to learn. And then you can actually find out how each one of those components affect turf grass. All that's usually published data. And uh, you can just go down a wormhole that seems to never end. I found some pencil-sized tree roots from a nearby tree that I think could be the culprit for the stunning grass growth. There were suckers coming up in the lawn about 25 feet away from the tree in the lawn. Yep, that's a good way to say that could be causing that to happen uh, because those are going to be trying to steal everything out of the soil they can to, to uh, send up those suckers. Steve, I would say it is. This heat is ridiculous. Will be spot spraying glyphosate weeds around trees, bushes harm them significantly? Um, no, because, um, you know, one thing that can happen is if they have, if the, if the trees and bushes have roots that are really close to the surface, they can get uptake. I know Connor Ward ran into that issue in one of his videos where it may kill this tree. But in looking at that video, one of the things I suspected, I saw the damage on the tree trunk. And it made me think that maybe the Roundup got on the damage on that tree trunk and then that's what allowed the uptake to happen that harmed the tree so you know keep in mind that that could be one of the things that happen alan haynes here the lawn care nut what's up my friend y'all it's time to get wild in here because the lawn care nuts here cullen rudine welcome to the grass factor all the way from houston my friend I uh, told the customers they would need at least three apps of Pilex starting in July and would take two or more years to control. Their next door neighbors mowing their Bermuda isn't helping. Uh, Rob, it's probably it, it's not as big of a of a thing as a, a, as you would consider that just because the neighbors mowing their Bermuda doesn't mean it's necessarily go going to affect yours. It's just Bermuda's such an aggressive grower. That's the issue you run into. 
Um, so yeah, you're right. It is going to take at least three apps and um, in you know two years, it's probably going to be closer to four. And then you'll begin to see a very developed line where you apply it and where you don't. Oh, Big Al, Big Al, the long car nuts. <laughs> At True Green, we sold aeration oversea plus gypsum. Overseed, then over gypsum. Very expensive, like over gyps them out of their <laughs> I read that as serious. Uh, Alan, I will tell you why you use gypsum when you were up there in Illinois. So gypsum will not affect soil pH. You are dealing with high soil pH. So it's a calcium supplement you can apply that does not affect soil pH. So there was some logic there. Um, I don't know. It's not that gypsum is very expensive. So I can see why that would overly gyps them out of their money. <laughs> Yeah, Alan Hay. Hey, Mr. West, thank you, good sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Michael Moore. Thank you, sir, for more grapes. I got a pound loaded up. Katie Zero, thank you, sir. Thank you. Let me get up here and get caught up on what's going on. Uh, I had to go from the bottom to the top. Gypsum is good for water chemistry in brewing some home brews and IPAs especially. There you go. Should I continue to spray Humic 12 and RGS through the stress months on turf-type tall fescue? Are they a foliar app or does it need to be drenched in with rain or irrigation? RGS can have foliar activity. Humic 12 can have foliar activity, especially if Humic 12 is applied with a mineral nutrient. So I'll say this again. Humic acids bond humic and fulvic acids are going to bond with mineral nutrients. So if you're applying a humic 12 product, um, it's better to apply it with a mineral nutrient because it'll have that chelating effect. It'll form that weak bond with it. It's not an aggressive chelator, doesn't bond super strong. It's a weak bond, but because it is a weak bond, it allows it to pass back to the plant relatively easily. So it's all about negative and positively charged ions, right? Uh, you want that negative pull from the root to be able to take in those positively charged ions. It's the negative pull from the humic acids that create that initial bond. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're doing humic 12 for foliar uptake, apply it with a mineral nutrient. If you're worried about uh, just improving the soil structure, uh, then do, you know, a high rate and then drench it in. Um, with the RGS, I would probably back off in the peak heat of the summer because of the amount of growth hormones that are in the kelp. Kelp can tinge or uh, tip burn uh, turf grass just because of its nature. Uh, you start flooding a plant with cytokinin and auxins and gibberellic acid and you know all of a sudden you know, you're getting deformed growth or tip burn. Um, so during peak heat, when it's already stressed, um, I would probably keep like the RGS off. Um, and you can run your humic 12 to either remediate your soil or you can apply your humic 12 with a with another mineral nutrient. So you could do like a micro rate of nitrogen or you could begin to you know, shift your focus towards like potassium uh, to help mitigate the stress and water management in the plant. Remember, potassium regulates the water utilization in your grasses. So it may be a good time that instead of using your RGS right now, it's use your humic 12 and your potassium. Another good potassium source that you can use is also air eight. Other products used in emitin phosmet is a dangerous insecticide. Wow. Uh, the Discord invite address, David Barton, I believe it's just TLF, one of the Discord guys. Um, can one of y'all help this guy out with the, with the invite code? All right, here we go. Uh, Carl, thank you in the Discord chat. I just read that. Thank you, sir. Russell Jones, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Um, I, I, I do enjoy the science behind lawn care. I really do. And that's kind of my favorite thing about it is, is all the chemistry that's involved. 
Uh, why can't homeowners get Harold's? I've been trying to find a place to third party sell me any of their products. Um, Kevin, I, man, I don't know because, well, I'll tell you why. Harold's is a volume based business. Um, they price everything to sell in volume. So if you're buying a one off, um, typically it ties up resources and time that they don't typically have. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of the difficult thing about it. Uh, one big box chain in Germany has 1200 bags a mile. I don't know about any shortage. There you go. Uh, let's see your potassium deficiency is causing stress. That is apparent when your mower crushes it. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, do not spray glide close to trees. That's right. That's right. Hey, Alan Hain, uh, has Malorganite reached out to you personally about their Malorganite shortage? I'm curious how they've handled that. Uh, this is great. My neighbors think I'm as nutty as Paul. I'm riding on my mower watching your stream. Thanks, you really. Hey, happy fourth, Jeremy. I appreciate that, buddy. What's the best blend for cool season grass in Michigan? Kentucky bluegrass, putting rags, creeping red fescue, which brands as well? Ronald Parrish, I don't know. Um, I would suggest you go to the NTEP trials, NTEP.org, and look at the – that's right. Uh, GCI Turf does have an excellent lawn care program. However, he is tailored towards cool season grass. The lawn care nut I would recommend for your warm season grass. Um, what the uh, so uh, at ntep.org.org, you can also check out um, a a region that is close to you, and they will rate the different turf grasses based on everything from. My goodness, turf quality, disease resistance, overall health, um, uh, quick, how quickly it greens up. Um, you got a million different cho choices to choose from. NTEP.org. I'll throw it in the chat, Ronald Parrish. Uh, can't post links in this chat, Matt. We'll have to. What, what link do I need to post in the chat? Actually did a cut surface poison treatment of a tree. That's what I thought. Uh, whoa, I got buried in the chat again. Hey, you are welcome, uh, Carlsberg Carl. You are welcome. Uh, so that is what the damage to the trunk that got sprayed. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I'm enjoying the mow and flip flops. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, I mow in flip flops too. Uh, I don't want to tell anybody that, but I, I certainly do. Uh, hashtag Lawn Rebel. What's up, Connor Ward? <laughs> Everybody trying to get Connor uh, taken care of on his cottonwood tree issue. Is RGS straight from the bucket good for a Robolini palm? Michael, I don't see any issue with it. Um, I'll tell you one thing I did do was I was dealing with this one particular Hinoki that I could not get to stop dying. Um, it was a transplant. It was transplanted the wrong time of year. And I was really worried about it. And I poured RGS straight from the bucket on this uh, Hinoki. It's kind of just a last-ditch effort. And the damn thing ended up surviving. So there you go. Dial-up speeds from 10,000 feet over the Pacific. John Pinkerton, that one cupcake place in Cedar Rapids in Hiawatha, Iowa, taking his trip to Honolulu to go meet the Green Doctor himself. What is a mineral nutrient you speak of? Uh, all, all, um, anything you test for in a soil sample is a mineral nutrient. So uh, everything from you know, calcium to iron to manganese, magnesium, zinc are all mineral nutrients. Uh, uh, potassium can be can be mineralized. Um, your phosphorus can be mineralized. All, all of them are your, your mineral nutrients. Do microgreen in July and water it in. There you go. Have a yard full of brand new seven-week-old turf-type tall fescue Kentucky bluegrass lawn. Expecting 111-degree temps next weekend. Is it recipes or do you have any tips to keep it alive? Oh, man. Gosh. You are in a tough spot. Um, I would practice what's known as syringing. Alan Hain has a great video on syringing grass. So by syringing, it means watering during the daylight time to mitigate the really high soil surface temperature that can 
uh, arise. Um, so it may be like a seven or eight minute cycle with the sun out and roaring to cool that soil surface down. Um, the other thing too is make sure you are getting super deep waterings in there when you can. And instead of watering once a week super deep, you may have to do that like two or three times a week to make sure you're penetrating that soil profile. Um, so just keep that in mind. Is it possible for it to survive? Yeah, it is. But it's going to be a nightmare, brother. And if you're dealing with 111 and even a little bit of humidity, the potential for pythium is going to be really high. Keep that in mind, especially if you've got trees around your property that are impeding airflow. Um, it can generate a lot of issues. So you may want to be proactive with your disease control and get it down now, immediately, in preparation for what's coming next weekend. Rubellini hater. <laughs> Uh, it'll go dormant and not die. Uh, new guy here. What's up, man? What's up, Lambert? Ronstar is not labeled for residential lawns, nor is Dakinil. We were talking about this last night. Um, I don't know why Ronstar isn't. Uh, John Ware over at the Lawn Forum was suggesting to me that it was due to its aquatic uh, hazard um, that Dakinil is not labeled for residential lawns. Um, so I would say it's something also along the same line with Ronstar. Another thing to keep in mind is Ronstar is actually non-selective. Um, so it can damage green grass uh, if not washed off the leaf surface in time. That's why a lot of times it's applied in granular firm. Um, so just be careful. Uh, Dakinil seems to work great for brown spots in my lawn. There we go. Ashim ain't scared. <laughs> he said, I'll do it. Uh, mow as tall as you can and water as much. Oh, there you go. There you go. Just put down RGS. Hope the lawn's okay. The, the lawn's going to be fine, Steve. You're good. Because uh, you probably, probably applied it in, at label rate, so you don't really have anything to worry about. I'm just saying as a general rule of thumb, um, kelp is something you have to have to be careful with in the heat of summer. I believe on the RGS label, it recommends in the spring and the fall for those type applications. Uh, for warm season grasses, you can get away a little more with in the heat of summer, but even then you can cause a little bit of tip, tip burn with it. Ronstar is a carcinogen. There you go. There you go. There you go. Eye and skin irritants and a carcinogen. There you are. Grass is super thick, St. Aug, but yellow quite a bit. What gives? Uh, Packer, uh, check out his soil sample. See what you what you got going on over there. Nathan, thank you, sir. Thank you. They know what we've done. <laughs> uh, yeah, they do spray Dagna all over grass greens. They are everywhere. They are everywhere. Pete's here. What's up, Pete? How are you, good sir? Everybody show Pete some love. Man, am I caught up on the chat? Get out of here. I am. I think I am. Man, that's rare that I'm able to get caught up on the chat. I must I must feel uh feel primed. All right, y'all. That's actually perfect timing because it's 8:57. I'm rolling up on an hour here. We are Coming to the end of the video, so real quick, gonna plug the guys over at the Lawn Forum again. If you wanna hang out in the real-time chat, you can add an app to your phone called Discord and join the chat TLF, the Discord server TLF. And uh, that's where you can hang out with guys like me and Ray Ito, the Green Doc is over there as well. Ray in the chat. Happy 4th of July. I love you, Asami. Good. You were able to tune in all the way from Japan, from Yokohama, Japan. My wife is tuning in. So, everybody, thank you so, so, so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting good at speed talking. That's right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy 4th of July to everybody. I hope you have an awesome, awesome, awesome 4th of July. Take the time. Hang out with your family, cook some good food, high five your neighbors, get along. Please get along on the 4th of July because it is something we can all um, get behind, you know, as, you know, being Americans here. And, uh, you know, what a what a time to be 
an American and be proud of where you're from and what you do and uh, and embrace where we live and what we get to do with our lawns. It's pretty neat. It is pretty neat. All right, everyone, I'm calling it. If you want to hang out, meet me in the Discord. I'll be there the rest of the night. My wife, Asami, I love you. Thanks for checking in. To my mom and dad, if they're watching, I love y'all. See y'all next weekend, and uh, y'all have a wonderful 4th of July. Take it easy, y'all. Have a good one.